Almost any company in the UAE can now be fully foreign-owned after landmark changes to the commercial company's law. It's expected to spur foreign direct investment and business activity in the UAE. But what does it mean for you? You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. So let me set the scene here. Uh, This week, the uh, President Sheikh Khalifa issued changes to the commercial companies law in the UAE. Uh, The big top line news of that is that all companies that's onshore uh, can be fully foreign owned. Also, the aspect where an Emirati or UAE national or UAE company was needed to be an agent that is scrapped. Um, there's various other aspects to to the changes that will impact companies uh, across the country. Uh, but it was taken as something that we've been waiting for for a long time um, as we've evolved towards this point at the federal level uh, for the United Arab Emirates. And really the idea of opening up the economy uh, to more nationalities, to all nationalities, should spur foreign direct investment as well as business activity. And in terms of ease of doing business and competitiveness for the UAE staying ahead uh, of the, the rest of the region and perhaps other similar jurisdictions that foreign investors might be looking at, it's definitely a big step forward. So to discuss this, uh, we've been able to get some legal experts in from the firm Baker McKenzie Habib Al-Mullah. We have Omar Momani, the partner of Head of Corporate and Commercial Practice Group and Hani Naja, the partner of Corporate and Commercial. Omar and Hani, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Mustafa. Thank you, Mustafa. It's a pleasure. So as I'm setting the scene, bear with me. Um, so these changes that were announced a bit have been welcomed. Um, there's obvious potential benefits that I've just run through. Um, but t- I just want to pick up on this point that it has been an evolutionary curve Uh, of steps over the last sort of 17 years or so getting to this point where we've had a number of measures to make doing business here for for anyone in the world that much smoother. And uh, that includes, for example, the setting up of free zones or other legislation like an FDI law a couple of years ago that designated certain sectors. And of course, the the, the law itself has a number of... um, uh, interesting points, one of which being that there are still strategic sectors such as oil and gas exploration that will not be affected by these changes, um, other sectors in there as well. That, that At the federal level, this sets clear there's no uh, minimum threshold for Emirati involvement in terms of a company being set up, but the local authorities will each have their own uh, opportunity to set that level of participation. And also a committee is going to be formed uh, that will look at strategic sectors and level of um, Emirati participation. And the cabinet will also continue to be involved. So the the evolution continues, Omar. But I mean, if you can talk a little bit about you know where we were and how we got here from your point of view, your expertise, uh, that would be appreciated. Thank you, Mustafa. Absolutely. It, it's been a journey. And uh, it's interesting you mentioned the 17, 18 uh, years number that corresponds to uh, my years of practice in 
the United Arab Emirates, and I've, I've seen many of those um, evolution milestones. I, I guess it it all started, I guess, back back in the days when uh, trade free zones were established, likes of Jabal Ali Free Zone and Dubai Airport Free Zone and other airport. And then ports relevant, uh, you know, free trade zones, and then the idea was to uh, enhance the position of the United Arab Emirates and, uh, and Dubai in specific as a trading hub for the region. Then the model was successful. Then it, it moved into creating specialized free zones uh, that looks after different industries or different businesses, or be it media or you know, other industries like technology. Uh, got Dubai. Uh, media City, Dubai Internet City, um, uh, the Media City in Abu Dhabi, and you know many others, uh, which was also successful. Then um, I think the regime continued to develop. There were uh, various offshore regimes established that has given authorizations to certain offshore companies to acquire real estate rights, which uh, was part of the real estate uh, boom taking place around that time. And then the model continued to develop. So we've, we've uh, later on seen financial free zones, which were more revolutionary in, in nature because they do have standalone uh, uh, civil and commercial regime to them. So they're, they're, they effectively established a new jurisdictions that was uh, more attractive for many financial institutions and international players that are used to financial regulations and key centers around the world. So we've seen the IFC, the International Financial Center, and ADGM Abu Dhabi Global Markets uh, both continue to sort of develop and attract investors in the UAE. And then things started to to accelerate from that point onwards. We've seen more flexibility in dealing with free zone established companies, allowing them to do certain things that were restricted in in the past on the uh, mainland of the UAE. More recently, we have seen dual licensing regimes being uh, introduced again by uh, regulators and different Emirates, specifically Dubai and Abu Dhabi, allowing companies to uh, operate from one location with a dual license. And then we've also seen ad hoc exemptions given to key players uh, across different uh, industries, key global players that have been exempted from foreign ownership restrictions. And then as, as you said, Mustafa, more recently in 2018, uh, the FDI, the Foreign Direct Investment Law, was issued uh, with its bylaws that followed like six months later, uh, which basically opened up investments in, in 130 plus activities for foreign investors without requiring UAE national uh, participation in the capital of this company. And and now we're there. It's it's the biggest in use. It's a change of the approach to the foreign direct investment uh, concept. I guess we are moving from one where the general rule, which has been in place since the establishment of the federation and, and the UAE, the rule of, of 49, 51% requiring 51% uh, of any company to be held by UAE nationals, that is now gone. Uh, we are moving to a concept where the, the principle uh, is, is that foreign investors are allowed to own uh, companies without uh, UAE nationals um, uh, ownership in them unless those activities are considered strategic or unless they are restricted by 
the local licensing authority. So it's it's quite a change if you look at it. It's quite a journey. It is likely to have an outright positive impact on attracting foreign direct investments into the UAE and then also normalizing a lot of the existing businesses that have used uh, certain legal structures in the past. And it's it's a news that actually corresponds with the uh, with the magnitude of the COVID nineteen pandemic impact on economies and, and markets. So it's perfectly timed, and this is, is one that uh, came at a time when it was sorely needed. Hani, do you want to jump in there? I think it's also v- very important to note that this new change will also normalize some of the arrangements that some foreign nationals or foreign companies have entered into with the local nationals on a nominee basis. So it's it's kind of widely known that in a lot of cases, the local shareholder will act as a nominee in that uh, they, they actually just own the shares but do not participate actively in the business. And this new change will, will bring an end to this practice and hopefully put everything back into its uh, legal place. I mean, a lot, of, a lot has changed, uh, you know, since the UAE was formed. Um, in 1971, uh, perhaps in the beginning, when uh, when foreign investors or foreign companies wanted to set up here, it was mutually beneficial to have an Emirati agent or an Emirati major shareholder. I mean, first of all, they know the country better; they know they have the contacts. And for a foreign company looking to begin uh, here, it, it it probably helps as well for them to uh, put down their their roots as a company and for economic participation for Emiratis when the country was young. It made it made a lot of sense over time. Things have changed considerably on all those fronts. I mean, first of all, the UAE is a known quantity to many foreign investors. Um, it, they, they've either been here or worked here or traveled here or, 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 or know someone who has. Um, but, but also for, for Emiratis themselves, they participate across the economy public sector, private sector, entrepreneurs, um, employees, experts, academics. Um, there are a lot of entry points now because of the diversity and the maturity of the, the economy compared to 20, 30, even, even 40 years ago, obviously 40 years ago, but even, even five or 10 years ago, if you think about the tech boom. So it, it feels like, as you said, Omar, natural, uh, perfectly timed, but also... Um, and this leads me to the kind of the point that people are already picking up on. We have a well-established ecosystem of onshore and offshore jurisdictions. Now, can you tell me, Hani or Omar, um, would there still be appetite? Would it still be important to have that ecosystem, or do we only want onshore now? That's that's a great question and a, and an absolutely right observation. Um, I mean, this this new uh, amendment to the commercial companies law will definitely have um, some sort of an impact on the appetite of some businesses to to choose free zones over onshore. Uh, but but it's it's very important to note that free zones do not only offer kind of a, an unlimited uh, ownership for foreign uh, investors. The majority of the free zones set up in the UAE, whether in Dubai, in Abu Dhabi, or across the other Emirates, you know, RAC, uh, RAC free zone has, you know, has been one of the, is probably one of the oldest uh, free zones in the region. 
uh, across those free zones, there's additional, uh, there's added value uh, other than the than the ownership. These have evolved into thriving ecosystems with, with the, the relevant infrastructures to those particular businesses. So if you if you are a logistics company, for example. Whether you have a, a, an ownership issue or not, you might still want to go to Javza, go to Kizad, go to the Dubai Airport Free Zone because the infrastructure is much more developed uh, than anywhere else in, in the region, not only onshore. So, so those free zones will also maintain some of those benefits. Uh, most, uh, more importantly, the financial free zones, for example, I personally do not see uh, any impact on free zones like the DIFC and the ADGM because the choice of, of establishing a presence in those free zones is not driven uh, uh, primarily by ownership. It's actually driven by the infrastructure, by the legislations that are there, by the court system that have been established in, in these free zones, and also by uh, the adoption of, of uh, different laws that are similar to, to what you see in the UK or in Hong Kong or in the US. So, I don't want to underestimate the impact of of this law on free zones, but I don't see that this is a a a, a you know a big blow to free zones, especially those who have infrastructures that are suitable for for foreign businesses. You can also look at at uh, for example the uh, Dubai Creative Clusters uh, that host the many clusters like the Internet City, the Media City. Uh, these have evolved into a, into a great environment for similar business to be uh, set up next to each other's uh, offices and and have interaction among among themselves. So, um, I, I think it's it's uh, you know it, it it gives foreign investors more options. The 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 update or the amendment to the commercial companies law gives them foreign investors more option, of course, uh, and they don't have to worry about ownership. They want to benefit from from those infrastructures uh, uh, given by the free zones, then they can still go there. Uh, Omar, uh, maybe this is a silly question, uh, but why why does being able to own your company 100% matter? It matters. It matters because you uh, can control the uh, destiny of the business. You can manage it in, in, in the way you, you plan for it. But it, it's, it also matters because you... Uh, you also take responsibility and liability for the way you manage the business and for um, the way you take that business. So uh, uh, it's actually a, a perfect question to make another point, which I wanted to sort of pick up. I don't think this is only about foreign investors. I think it's also about local investors and, and local businesses. I mean, in the last 30, 40 years, those businesses have matured, have become way more sophisticated. Many of them have become global and, and regional and have become uh, key operators uh, uh, and, and leaders in, in many of their uh, industries, not only regionally, but uh, but also globally. Uh, one reason for why that has happened is, is because uh, they were exposed to the competition that exists in a in an open market like uh, the UE. I think with that, there is there is an additional uh, incentive for them to uh, continue to compete, continue to grow, and to continue to go internationally and globally. So uh, that changes also about local investments and, and local uh, businesses, and, and, and this also has to do with the 
uh, with the side of the liability in any crisis situation like the, the pandemic impact and the post-pandemic impact. It, it was uh, by many of our clients expressed over uh, several occasions that their sort of inactive participation of some of the businesses for the uh, UAE nationals has caused them in a crisis situations to be exposed to liabilities that they will not be questioned for otherwise. And it, it, it actually brings fairness. If, if you're not an active controller of a business and that business goes wrong in a, in a crisis situation, why would you be ordered in litigation and find yourself in the court to defend uh, acts and, and actions of uh, of others that uh, that you haven't contributed to. So uh, I think one needs to to look at this in in a holistic uh, uh, way and look at the the, the pros and cons and uh, that that can materialize from uh, uh, from a change of of that uh, magnitude. And once on on one side, it improves the competition continues. Uh, it, it enables local business to continue to excel and to to grow. Uh, and at the same time, it enables investors who have been uh, doing business in this part of the world for the last 20, 30 years to nationalize their investments and to make this their permanent domicile and to grow them even bigger and to uh, take them to a, a different uh, level. So if there was a, a hesitation at the foreign investors' end, uh, I think that change of, of the law and the approach to uh, treating foreign direct investments will address those concerns. And I wonder as well, in the event that a company that has been running, let's say, as long as the the UAE has close to 50 years, uh, changing of generations, you look at succession planning, the ability to to more easily exit, um, should a foreign investor want to buy your business, they can own it 100% um, in, in almost all, all, all sectors now. Uh, that That's also going to be something that perhaps is going to grow in importance over the years, a hundred percent. We we do issue a um, what we call a mergers and acquisitions index every six months, and it it it's an index that tracks basically uh, an array pool that tracks merger and acquisition uh, activities uh, in the UAE and in the region. We were talking about that report yesterday internally uh, here in the firm. And uh, one comment I made was, um, I'm really keen to see the impact of that change in a year time on that index and, and that report. Because when we uh, help clients, whether selling their businesses or acquiring businesses in the UAE, foreign ownership restrictions is usually a top due diligence point. In, in many cases, we have seen transactions uh, abort before because of uh, foreign ownership restrictions or because certain international investors are not comfortable with the, the structures that are, are in place and, and with the lack of sort of control over uh, the business they want to acquire. So that's definitely one area to watch out for and, and see a positive impact on as a result of that amendment to the, to the law. Just to, to complete Omar's idea, I think everybody needs to understand that this is a license to, to own more than 49%. It's not an obligation, right? It, it just opens the market uh, and opens the, the, the options for shareholders to design the ownership of their company the way they really want, right? According to, to the actual input and, and added value that each shareholder brings to the, to the table. I, I don't see that all the foreign uh, companies are going to jump immediately to 100% and basically continue work without 
the need for a for a local ownership. As you said before, the local ownership adds a lot of value to any uh, company operating in the UAE. There's a knowledge of the market. There's a knowledge of the institutions, of the government, of how things operate. So it, I see that as as an opportunity to to rebalance and give a real picture of the actual partnership between the shareholders. I was on a call with a client earlier today who simply want to go up from 49% to 51%. So basically, they're flipping it because the local owner adds a lot of value to the business. He's a real decision maker. He has representative on the board of directors. It's simply because the way that the joint venture was structured at the time of inception, the foreign national invested 51% versus 49%. But because of, of local ownership restrictions, they had to flip it. It's a slight amendment or shifting of, of the needle to basically describe or, or give a real picture, as I said, for the partnership. So, so maybe we can, can sort of wrap this up by talking about what we what we don't know. So we, we, we've just been talking about what we do know. Um, many of the amendments uh, for the law will be effective uh, from next month. A lot of that has to do with the way companies are structured or governed. Um, but uh, with the big, the top line moves, uh, for example, the, the fully uh, foreign ownership uh, aspects of it will be effective six months from when uh, the laws, the changes are published in the official gazette. But companies will have a year from the effective date uh, to comply. But because of what I mentioned earlier about, for example, what what each emirate will do uh, in their own decision making, and also the, 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 this committee that's being set up to look at strategic sectors, and also the cabinet's involvement. Perhaps, uh, Omar and Hani, it's going to take a bit of time for us to fully understand what the landscape's going to look like. Yes, Mustafa, I think that is a uh, that's a fair suggestion. I I think there uh, these are the headline uh, changes to the law. There will be details, and uh, I think the point about the six months that you uh, mentioned about the um, the key change which relates to the uh, ownership restrictions liberalization is basically designed to allow a committee to be formed and that committee to uh, study the activities of uh, strategic impact that will uh, continue to have some restrictions to them and make recommendations to the cabinet uh, that will then adopt that list and, and uh, issue it. it. It will also uh, offer some time for uh, the local licensing authorities, the uh, Department of Economic Development and many of the Emirates to consider the uh, level of requirements or, or participation, whether to the uh, ownership of businesses or companies or to the uh, board membership of companies and that local emirates in those activities or sectors that they intend or think it is appropriate to introduce such requirements for. So there is there's a bit of work to be done in, in that sense. And I think the conventional wisdom is for companies and uh, and foreign investors and even existing businesses, while continue to be excited about the change and uh, and the prospects it will it will bring to the business, to be uh, a little patient and and wait for the rest of the details to be out and and disclosed, so that any business decisions are are built on enough information and enough familiarity with the new uh, legal 
uh, landscape. The, the point about compliance is, is something that has already obviously been reported and is common when you uh, introduce major changes uh, to the law. Uh, but I tend to think that because you are releasing restrictions here, compliance is likely to be relatively more straightforward for many of the companies, obviously with some caveats as to uh, how to manage a relationship the companies have with their local partners. Time will provide us with the uh, rest of the information we're all looking for, but I think patience here can can be a virtue and uh, hopefully it won't be long before uh, the details are, are announced and, and, and are uh, out to the public. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with with Omar's observations. I think it's it's a you know people and companies need to take time to prepare. Obviously, uh, they need to also look at what they have done in the last few years in light of the the foreign direct investment law, for example, which uh, a lot of companies have benefited from, uh, or are in the process of benefiting from, to see how those uh, applications or approvals will interact with the new amendments of the commercial companies law. Again, we're all very, very excited about this change. I think it will put the UAE at an even more competitive uh, level. But uh, the advice for companies is to be patient, be methodic, and not jump to conclusions immediately until the scene is very clear. Hani Naja and Omar Mamani from Baker McKenzie Habib Al-Mullah, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Mustafa. Thank you very much, Mustafa. Before you go, here are some of the other stories at thenationalnews.com. Oil prices extended their rally to touch eight-month highs on the back of optimistic vaccine trials, an orderly transition in the White House, and the possibility of OPEC Plus extending its current level of output curves. The Supreme Petroleum Council approved Abu Dhabi National Oil Company's plans to spend 448 billion dirhams over the next five years, of which 160 billion will be directed towards the local economy. And Amazon has increased its storage capacity by over 45% in the UAE, creating more than 2,000 new permanent and seasonal jobs. That's it for today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe or leave a review. All that remains to thank our production team, Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan, and you all for listening. Please join us again next time.